Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. There we go. Fantastic. Part two of our teaching on God with us. It's beginning to feel a little bit more like Christmas. There's the two excited people in the congregation this morning. Fantastic. And where are the bar humbugs? You have to hold your hands up at that point. Wonderful. Anyway, it's good to be here. It's been, I was away last week, uh, speak at another church in Eastleigh, but it's always good to be back home. I love being part of Freedom Church. If you're new here, welcome to Freedom Church. It's great to be part of this family. Thank you to David and Sarah. What a great story of belonging, being part of something, walking through something in a very short period of time. Thank you for setting me up so well for this morning. You talk about what does it mean, God, in being with us in the times of wilderness. I don't know what you think of Advent. Advent is this time of waiting and of preparation of what is to come. It is to... It is taking that time to say, I'm ready, I'm expectant, I'm looking forward. And what is God going to do? And is God going to speak to me this Christmas time? I hope you're expecting God to speak to you through the everyday, not just through the talk on a Sunday. You know, God is interested in sharing things with you all the time. Why? Because he is with you. God is with you. There's this verse that we're using each week to remind us as we talk about God with us in the valleys, God with us this week in the wilderness. We're going to talk about God being with us in the storms, and they're going to wrap it all up on Christmas Day, reminding ourselves that God is with us always. And the verse that Hannah brought to us last week is this verse from Matthew chapter 1, 23, that says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. This is the angel speaking to Joseph at this point. And he says, she's saying, the angel will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, everyone say, God is with us. God is with us. Last week, we talked about the valley and this idea that God being with us in the times of the valley, you have to dig in sometimes and to get to know God in the valley. You know, we love being on the mountaintops with God, but God is close to us and we know him more in the valley. And this week I want to talk about being in the wilderness, experiencing God in the wilderness situations. And when I say the word wilderness, it's like a metaphor here for those seasons of your life which are like lengthy trials. They're like, there is never an end to this thing I find myself in. That I am struggling to see where I'm ever going to get off this one. That I've, I've left something behind, but I'm not quite arriving at the place I would love to be. Maybe there's a time of uncertainty or a, t- a sense of um, not sure what I should do next. I'm unclear. I'm wondering. I'm meandering. I'm not getting anywhere. I feel like I'm going around in circles and I know where I'd love to be, but I'm just in this wilderness moment. And I feel like God is distant. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a job right now and you're, you're in a job, you're not really sure it's the career you want to be doing, but you think, I don't know if I can afford to go back to university and get myself you know, re, you know, a new career and new training or a new kind of qualification that will cost money. I, I'm stuck. Can I do that? 
We just heard from that interview, you know, being stuck with, with our accommodation, our, our property. Maybe you're in a, a home that isn't the right one you want to be in, or the right location, or, you know, the, the right size for your family, but you can't seem to find the right thing. And you feel stuck. You're renting, but you'd love to buy, but you can't raise the money to put down a deposit. And I just feel like I'm in a wilderness place. I'm stuck. Or maybe you're in a relationship that you've had a long time and you've been married for years and it just isn't quite what it used to be. And you feel like you're in a wilderness season in your marriage and you know what you'd love it to be, but you just feel stuck and uncertain and lonely and isolated. This is like this wilderness metaphor. And wilderness often follows mountaintop experiences. And and Jesus was no different. Jesus had this moment where, you know, it's incredible. He, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist says, you know, there's got a guy coming who I'm unworthy to even tie up his shoelaces. And he turns up and lo, the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist, who doesn't want to even baptize Jesus because he's so in awe, he baptized his cousin Jesus Christ. And as he is baptized, he comes up. And you know the passage from Matthew 4. And it says that the Father God speaks. He said, this is my son who I think is amazing. I'm well pleased with him. At this point, Jesus has done nothing to earn his father's approval. But God goes, wow, he's amazing. And the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove. And what happens to Jesus next? Straight to the wilderness. He goes this moment of affirmation by a, by a voice from heaven. Who would like a, a verbal affirmation in front of all your friends and colleagues? God thinks I'm all right. And to let you know, he's going to verbally kind of shout it across me. And then suddenly for that moment, a mountaintop experience, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And he gets tempted by the devil in three different times and three different ways. Maybe you've had those moments where you've been on a mountaintop experience and life is looking really quite good and together. And then things shift. You've got a really good friend, you've been friends for years, and then suddenly they betray you. They let you down. They, they do something that upsets you. Or maybe you have a new job or a new promotion and, and everything is going really well, but because you've had to move house to do the job, suddenly financial pressures come and you've gone from elation to despondency and uncertainty. Maybe that's your story. Or, or maybe you know, you've, you've been married for many years and everything's been great and then you just found out that they haven't always been truthful with you. And you've gone from the moment of mountaintop experience and elation and excitement to uncertainty. What just happened? And we end up in this wilderness situation. We can be hurt, confused, isolated, alone. I want to give you today one big thought that I would love you to kind of just almost keep thinking over these next few days. You ponder on what we're saying this morning. In those wilderness times, I believe that your biggest need... It can become your greatest gift when it drives you to God. Your biggest need, believe it or not, your most challenging, disappointing, frustrating experience you're having right now could become your biggest gift if it drives you towards God. If it pushes you towards the arms of the Almighty, then it could be the thing you look back on as we heard from David and Sarah just a few moments ago, the thing that drove them to God himself. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. Elijah, we learned about earlier this year, Elijah 
was somebody who learned this principle in a very dramatic way. Elijah, for those who don't know, a little bit of context, was this awesome Old Testament prophet. He was a bit crazy, he was a bit mad, he was a bit outspoken, but he saw incredible miracles take place all around him. Elijah went in front of the king of that time, King Ahab, and King Ahab was like an evil king. The Bible says he was the most evil king that ever been in existence. And he was married to the most evil queen, Queen Jezebel. What a combo. And Elijah stands before them and prophesies, there's going to be no more rain in this nation because of the way you've disbelieved in God. But the way you've treated people, I'm taking away all the rain. And he makes this moment. And then he has this mountaintop experience. He goes up on Mount Carmel and he has this kind of X-factor competition with the prophets of Baal. And there's one guy, Elijah, all by himself. And there's these hundreds of prophets and they have this competition. Who can set fire to their sacrifice without using any matches? It's a great bit of the Bible. You get to read that in um, uh, 1 Kings 19. And there's this moment where he's on the mountaintop. And he prays, and God answers prayer, and bang, there's fire. It burns up the whole sacrifice, all the stones, the ground. And these poor prophets of Baal can't do anything to compete. And he ends up routing all these prophets, and they all end up getting murdered. And it's like pretty grim. We don't tell that one in our Sunday school lessons. Um, We kind of just avoid the last couple of verses of that chapter. And hope the children never notice. And we sort of move on. But there's this mountaintop experience But then when Queen Jezebel finds out what Elijah has done, she says, right, I'm going to kill you. She said, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to see you. Your life is over. And he goes this mountaintop experience of competing with these prophets of Baal and winning a great victory to absolute fear and terror and runs for his life. It says this in 1 Kings 19 and verse 3, um, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. He left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. I've no idea what a broom tree is. I kind of imagine it grows brooms. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just like a tree covered in... No? I'm probably going to have some gardens going. I think you'll find it is. I know it doesn't actually have brooms coming off a tree, but I love to imagine that. Maybe it does. He sits down under a broom tree or broom bush, sits down under it and prays that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He's just run, scholars tell us, about 100 miles. He's run away from his mountaintop victory. And he now finds himself isolated alone. He's saying, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm finished. You've had that moment where it's just that one more thing that tips you over. You can handle a lot. You can survive a whole bunch of things in life. And many of you I know have stressful jobs and challenging circumstances. And you can handle it to a point. You can handle up to here. But then there comes that moment. Maybe if you've got teenage children. And you can do it so far, so good. And then there comes that one moment where they just go too far. And you start finding yourself getting frustrated. Don't make me come up there. Because that one comment, that one throwaway line, and suddenly you've been so consistent to a point, and bang, everything changes. 
Or maybe, you know, you've got a, a boss at work that asks a lot of you and keeps on asking, keeps requesting. You go and you're serving faithfully and you're responding beautifully. You're, yeah, okay, I'm going to just be honor, honor my, my boss as if I were working for the Lord and I'm going to keep doing that. Then suddenly that one last request where you've had a tired, lengthy weekend, you come in on Monday, there's one more thing, you're, ah, oh, and you say something you regret. You just get tipped over. You can't handle it any more. Or maybe uh, you're in a financial situation, you've been in debt, and you're working your way out of debt, and you're getting yourself back on your feet, and you're paying off all your bills, and you're getting yourself back there, and then suddenly, just you're almost there, your car breaks down. Or something goes wrong that needs fixing in your house, and you go, oh, I was just getting there. And the one thing takes you from where you were to where you don't want to be. You're in a wilderness experience. Maybe you've had some of those experiences. Or maybe there's that moment where you are making dinner for all your family. And you've had a long day and you've made the food. You've provided all the meal around the table. I've seen this happen in our house more than once. And suddenly you finish the meal and everyone disappears. And you look around and there is a bomb site in your kitchen. And there is no one else to help you to pack up and clear up and what just happened? That one thing, and suddenly you can find yourself going from lovely, happy, everything's great, to suddenly, ah, oh, over the edge. Elijah was in this situation in, in the wilderness. He was there under this tree, and he's gone from being, yep, I'm doing amazing things, to suddenly, I'm, I've had enough, Lord. That's what he says, I've had enough. And maybe you've had some of those had enough moments. You know, Elijah should not be this person. He, he has taken on the evil king. He has prophesied that there will, be, uh, you know, there will be no rain. There is no rain for three years. He takes on the prophets of Baal and he wins that competition. He gets fed by ravens and he raises people from the dead. He's done some pretty cool stuff. You know, he has this time where he goes from, from different places and everywhere he goes, he's seeing fire come down from heaven and then he comes that mountaintop experience where he prays God when you send the rain. He sees a cloud the side of a man's fist and he believes that's what God's going to do and he goes running faster than a chariot. He has seen miracles like none of us have ever seen before. But the one more thing takes him over the edge. He goes, I, I can't handle this anymore. I can't carry on doing what I've watched you doing, God. It's just too much. He looks exhausted, overwhelmed. Maybe you can relate to that. He's tired. Although somebody once said, if we were just tired, all we really need is a sleep and we'd be okay. But it's more than just tired. I believe many of us are depleted in our soul. We're not just tired because we didn't get a good night's sleep. We just keep giving out giving out, giving out of our energy, of our time, and of our spiritual resources, our soul. And, and Elijah was no different. He had given out. He had given out. He had given out. And then he got to the point where he couldn't do it anymore. We need a fresh encounter of God. A good night's sleep won't do it. But encountering our creator God himself is what makes a difference. It's God that Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. It's God that restores your soul. It's not any kind of drugs or any kind of rest or anything else. It is God himself 
who will restore your soul. And there's this moment where God meets Elijah under this bush. And I love the fact that God doesn't tell Elijah off. He doesn't preach him a sermon or worse. And I've experienced this, repeating a sermon that you've given back to you, which my family love to do. He doesn't get that experience. Do you know what God does? If you go into 1 Kings and look a few verses down, where are we? Verse 5. And he says this. Um, An angel touches him, wakes him up, says, get up and eat. He looks around and there beside his head was a McDonald's burger. No, there wasn't. Bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. God fed him. God provided for him. I believe we need to encounter God, but I also think sometimes it's good just to look after our physical nourishment as well. Sometimes as Christians, we can be more spiritual if we get a good night's sleep and we eat a bit healthier. Jesus, or God, sorry, in this story here, wakes up Elijah with an angel and says, go and eat. We need spiritual refreshment. We also need just to take a moment sometimes, to take a breath, to breathe in, to rest in the presence of God. Sometimes we're not very good, are we, at resting in the presence of God? Maybe I'll schedule that into my calendar. How good are we of just breathing in and being with God? Verse 7, the angel of the Lord comes again to Elijah, says, uh, touches him and says, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he gets up and eats and he drinks strengthened by that food. Elijah is strengthened by that food. He travels for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he goes into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you're like, what am I doing here? Elijah's great prophet having this moment of wilderness and God meets him and says, what are you doing? What are you doing here? You know, God keeps coming back to you like he keep came, kept coming back to Elijah and kept reinforcing his message. Elijah, what, what are you doing? What is going on? God is the God of second chance. If you don't hear him the first time, he's very patient. He's more patient than anyone here in this room. He is patient and he will come back and he will say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here on earth? What are you doing here in Romsey? What are you doing here in Freedom Church? What are you doing here in December 2018? What are you doing here? God wants to ask that question. Maybe it's the thing that keeps you awake at night. You've got thoughts whizzing around your head. What am I doing here? What's God called me to? Elijah's response, this spiritual, godly Amazing, prophetic man. What's his response? He whines. I love this. He whines. He has got every possible ability to see the bigger picture. God has sent me to the nations. I'm a man who speaks the word of God. But no, he whines. He whines like a little child. If you look in where are we, verse, um, verse 11 in 1 Kings 19. Is it just me that whines? Anyone else feel a bit whiny sometimes? Like, oh, it's just so, no, it's not fair. 
We just want to stamp our feet like a three-year-old and throw Tonka toy trucks we don't even own anymore out of our prams we don't sit in anymore. We just have those moments like, can't we just whine? And Elijah has this moment in verse 11. He goes, um, and he just whines. He goes, I've been very zealous. Sorry, verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord. I've done lots of really good things, God. I've been really amazing for you. Give me a break. The Israelites, it says here, has rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. Seriously, God, it's just me. And now they're all trying to kill me as well. He does all these amazing things. And then one angry, evil woman threatens him, and he runs for miles. And he whines, and he moans, and he complains. He goes, oh, it's not fair. He's in a wilderness moment. But God meets Elijah in the most beautiful way in his deepest need. God uses Elijah's needs to drive him to dependence upon God. And then this most, I mean, this is, this is a moment. There's a few verses here that an encounter with God like never before. God says to Elijah, okay, go stand out on the side of the mountain. Go and stand outside in the presence of me, God Almighty. I'm going to pass you by. I'm going to come past you while you're standing there. And there's this moment where this great and powerful wind tears by the mountain. It shatters everything around. And the Bible says there that the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but God was not in the fire but after the fire came a gentle whisper. There was this huge, powerful wind, and God was not in the wind. There was this earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. Fire, all these powerful things, these remarkable moments, but God was not in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary. God was in the whisper. God was whispering. God was speaking quietly. When we are overwhelmed by stress and anxiety, why does God's voice seem so quiet? When we are concerned and uncertain about the future? Why doesn't he speak to us in spectacular ways? Powerful ways. If he wants me to know him and trust him, why does he whisper? He whispers because God is always close. He's always close. He's always close. The devil, the devil can shout lies, but God whispers truth. He doesn't shout louder. He calls us closer. He draws us in. He is with you. He is present. He is here. God will never leave you, never forsake you. He's been with you every single moment. 
with you in the valley, the wilderness, the storm. God is with you. God whispers because he's close. When I was younger, if there was ever a storm outside at night, where would I go? I'd go straight into my parents' room. I've got great memories of standing with my parents and I'd wake them up, which I thought was a delightful thing to do when you're three or four years old, and we'd watch the storm together. And then when my children were small, they would come and do the same thing, which was always a bit frustrating because I would sleep through storms. And they'd wake me up to let me know that there's a storm and they try and fit in your bed. Well, when we've got four children, that's a little bit tight on space. But why do children run to their parents in a time of uncertainty? Because they want to be close to somebody that makes them feel safe. We run to the place we think we'll find safety which is how it should be for you and God. In the wilderness, God is already close to you. And yet sometimes we can say, God, where are you in the middle of my uncertainty? Psalm 34 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Or another psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We mentioned this earlier, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Imagine that feeling of someone saying, come on, let's grab a seat. Let's take some time. Let's feed you. Let's provide for you. Let's enable you to restore your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will we fear no evil? Because God is with us. That's why. We go through some tough times. We're facing struggles and stresses and uncertainty, but God, you are with us. You are with us. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. It overflows. You, you, you're laying a banquet for me. Imagine that in the, in the face of all my enemies, all the people that are coming at me. You're going, yeah, I've got a feast going on here. I'm celebrating you. I am with you. Or in Psalm 139, where, says David, the writer of this psalm, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are here, there, sorry. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Why? Because your right hand will hold me fast. That's the promise of God, that he will be with you, that he will hold you. Why does God whisper? Why does God whisper? He whispers because he is close. He's close. Why does God whisper? I think some of us need to listen to the whispering voice of God. I think sometimes we're so busy, God, 
if you want to speak to me, you need to interrupt my schedule. I think someone's got to say, could you just give me a moment? Because I want to say something to you, but I'm whispering and you can't hear. Why does God whisper? He whispers because he's close. And when someone whispers, what do you do? You have to lean in and listen because he's whispering. And I think we live in a world where we go, if you shout loudest, we might take note. If your advert is the best advert of Christmas, we might buy your products. But God says, I'm not competing. I'm close. I'm whispering. Will you lean in? In your time of wilderness and uncertainty, will you recognize I am with you, I am for you, I am on your side, and I'm just saying, will you just lean in and listen? I am with you. That's a great promise. That is an amazing promise promise that God offers to us. Let's get the worship team up here as we bring things to a close. I'm sure there are many of you sitting here today, you are going through circumstances I'm unaware of. That for you, you're having your wilderness season. Maybe you feel like you're always in a wilderness season. You're never certain about what the future might look like. I remember for myself personally, a number of years ago now, when our two boys were younger, I was extremely ill. I was extremely ill. I eventually, I didn't find out for quite some time, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and it's one of these long-term illnesses. And, and for probably six months, we did not know what was going on with me. I had no idea. I lost three stone. Some of you may think I could do with it. Um, I was gone, and I was tired, and I was falling asleep, and none of the doctors knew what was going on. And we, we put having kids on hold. There's a bit of a gap between our children because we're like going, what, what's going to be next? I didn't know. I genuinely did not know. But, you know, I had to learn to push into God and to trust him with my health, with my family, and with my future. It became something that I look back, it shaped me who I am because I realized I cannot fix this. I cannot sort this. The medical people don't know what it is. But God was with me. God still is with me. I believe I'm healed from that. They've said that I can have some tests to make sure that I have been healed from Crohn's disease, but the tests aren't very pleasant. So I said, I'm, I'm happy with the faith. I'll just trust God rather than have any sort of cameras going anywhere we don't want to think about. God is with us in our uncertainty. God is with me. And you know, it's great to be on the mountaintop celebrating how amazing God is, how wonderful life is, and how great things are for us right now. But I would rather be in the wilderness with God than on the mountaintop without Him. I would rather be struggling knowing I am with the creator of the universe than I am celebrating my man-made efforts all by myself. God is with us. Your deepest need can become a gift if it drives you to depend on God. Why does God whisper? He whispers because he's close. If you only give God a moment, he'll meet you just where you are. That promise in Matthew 1 says this, 
they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's a promise from 2,000 years ago that hasn't changed. God is with us in human form as a baby, but now as his Holy Spirit to comfort, to be with us. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to respond to all that we've heard this morning. I want to pray for us as a church family as we look at these questions of God being with us in the wilderness. Can I just ask you to keep your eyes closed? That's all right. I just want to ask if, if you feel like right now you are in a wilderness season, can I quickly ask you to show me a hand just so I can see who I'm praying for? Just a few people's hands are up. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. A load of people with wilderness situations. Can I also, if your hands down, that's fine. Can I, if you would like to, I want to listen to God. I would like to hear God's quiet whisper. If you're going, I'm not particularly in the wilderness, but I would just love to be able to hear from God. Can I ask you to put your hand up as well? You just feel like I'd love to hear a whisper from God. Wonderful. Wow. Let's pray. Put your hands down from me. I just want to pray for you. Lord God, thank you that you commit and promise to being with each one of us. Lord, thank you for all those people here today that are in times of wilderness. Lord, may their deepest need drive them towards you, I pray. May the challenges they're facing right now be challenges they can face with you, not by themselves. May they know your closeness at this time, I pray. May they know your presence that holds them fast. May they know your gentle whisper at this season of uncertainty. And I pray for those who would love just to hear your voice speak quietly in the ordinary, not in the fire, the wind, or the earthquake, but in the close whisper. Lord, I want to pray there are people in this room who want to hear from you, would take time to find space in busy lives, busy schedules, to allow your whisper to cut through all the noise around us, we pray. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.